Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. I, I, I just hope I can get this message out. Um, I just feel it on my heart. It's, it's a powerful thought. Just want to be able to get it to you the way I feel it. And uh, you're going to help me preach today. Would you say amen? amen? I need all the help I can get. And uh, didn't Jason do a great job on Wednesday night, right? Jason's store tore it up. We got VBS this coming Wednesday night. And then uh, we have, we have, we're going to hear from a few of our other preachers on some Wednesday nights. So that's great. First Samuel chapter 30. Verses 1 through 8. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag was attacked. They attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. King James says he encouraged himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Today I'd like to preach a message entitled, Almost There. Some of you are just almost there. You're almost there. And uh, I just want the Lord to help me. Let's, Let's just pray right now. Father, thank you so much for this word. I pray that you would anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear, God. We give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Have you ever been on a family vacation or a big road trip and um, you, you, you finally get on the road and the kids start asking this question? You know, it took you half a day to get on the road, loading up all that junk. Getting all the right videos for the kids to watch, getting the animals in their kennels and in the right place, you know, putting the kennel on the top, strapping it on. No, you don't do that, do you? You, you? you put the luggage on the top, and then you put the kennel inside. And you got you finally get on the road, and you start driving a few minutes, and what's, what's that dreaded question? We there yet? Uh, I, I want to get some help. Uh, McGuire, if you come up here, please. Jason, if you come up, please. McGuire, why don't you get in this car right here? Let's, let's get it back further over there towards Fido. All right, Jason. Yes, sir. You mean you 
Oh, this is, uh, bro, this is, this is noteworthy right here. This is one of the best illustrations I've ever done right here. <laughs> this is not scripted. They had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. so, so here you go. Dad, son, we're going on a trip. Let's go. Let's go. Now, what's the question? Are we there yet? We just started. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, right? Oh, let's give him a great big hand clap. Is that amazing or what? Thank you. I did a, a, I, I really, they didn't know they were signing it, but they signed a waiver and our insurance is covered, so just in case. Right. Uh, you know, are, are we there yet? Are we there? No. You know, you, you pulled out of your driveway in Baton Rouge or Prairieville, and are we there yet? We're, you're headed to Destin. You're headed to De- are we Are we there yet? No, we're in Denham. <laughs> we are not there yet. No. But eventually, that answer turns into something like this. As a matter of fact, we're almost there. And, oh, that's when the excitement kicks in, Right? And, and the kids put the Cheetos down, and, and, and the mom's like, uh, get this wipey and get the Cheetos off your fingers and your face, and, yeah, and, and the car, and, and all the stuff, and the toys, and all. And, and, and you know, you wake up, little brother, like, get, he's drooling, like, like, wipe the drool off a of little brother over there. And, and, and you put your shoes on, and you get ready to step on the beaches of Destin, and you, you start to do the stuff, you're gonna do the stuff you dreamed of, so you're excited. I'm speaking to some people today who have been on a journey and you've been trying to get to your your destination, your destiny, to the promises that God's made to you. And, And you've been on this road for quite some time. You've been trekking for just a little while and wondering if you'll ever get there. And you've been asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? God sent me with a word for you today. You're almost there. You're almost there. Woo! You're almost there. You're about to step into your calling and step into your destiny. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me go ahead and preach just a moment. Some of you have literally been going through H-E double hockey sticks. You've been going through some stuff, going through some stuff you never predicted, you never saw coming, unprecedented stuff, and you're thinking, why am I going through this? This is nuts. This is crazy. I never saw it coming, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get where God's called me to go. You hear what I'm saying. You hear this, Pastor. The devil fights hardest right before your breakthrough. It's always darkest right before the morning. I'm going to tell you, Bethesda Church, your promises are almost here. You're almost there. The calling, the destiny God has on your life, you're almost there. Give God some praise right now. Help me, God. Help me, God. The devil pulls out all the stops and tries to get you to quit and turn around and, and, and stop believing. But somebody needs to just tell the devil today, I ain't quitting and I'm still believing. In Jesus' name. The story in our reading took place over 30 centuries ago. It's an ancient story. Ziklag was the last stop for David on the way to the throne where he would be king of Judah and then all of Israel. 
Over a decade earlier at Jesse's house through the prophet Samuel, the Lord promised a throne to David. Oil running down his face, man, just like it was amazing. And then God set the stage at the Valley of Elah in this spectacular made-for-television, prime-time showcase showdown. David, with everybody watching, killed Goliath with a slingshot and with Goliath's own sword. And so here's the deal. Then what happened? Did David become the king then? Right then that had to seal the deal. Wrong. It did not seal the deal. David did not go from Elah to the throne. Saul remained the king, and he did a pretty lousy job at being a king. And he became jealous of David, insanely jealous of David. As a matter of fact, he tried to kill, kill He tried to kill the one who killed Goliath. Saul did. Saul tried to kill David 14 times in your Bible. In 1 Samuel 18, 1 Samuel 19, 1 Samuel 23, and 1 Samuel 24, we see where he threw a javelin at him uh, three or four times. He, he, He sent messengers and raiders and all these different ones 14 times. He tried to kill David. Incidentally, David could have killed Saul many times. Two notable times when he had him right there and could have killed him specifically. But David said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. As a matter of fact, David had to go on the lamb and spend over a decade running from Saul, going from place to place, living out of a suitcase. He's doing mobile life, mobile family. He's homeschooling his children, you know. He's got all the curriculum. Uh, Get up, your mama's going to teach you some classes today, you know. Maybe that's why he had all those wives, you know. I don't know. uh, He went went mobile church, setting up and tearing down. Lord knows we've done that. It was costly. It was exhausting. It was frustrating. And and he wanted a place to call his own. And when's it ever going to happen? Are we there yet, Lord? And, And finally... He gets to a place that he can call his own. It's this weird season of his life. And he gets this place 24-7. It's in a Philistine-controlled part of Judah called Ziklag. Everybody say Ziklag. Now remember, he's trying to get to Jerusalem. He's, he's, he's been uh, you know, on this journey for 12 years or so. Are we there yet? And he finally gets to Ziklag, and it was only there that God could say, David, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. Now, he's going to take the Jebusite stronghold and make it into Jerusalem. We've talked about that. That's part of the naming of this church. That story's amazing, how he went through the aqueduct, and he came out to what is known as the Pool of Bethesda, and It's an amazing story how he took the Jebusite stronghold and made it into the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. Uh, It was amazing. He transformed it. He's going to do that, but you hear what I'm saying. He could not do that until he got what he needed to get at a place called Ziklag. Ziklag was critical, mission critical, for him to be able to do what God called him to do. Now, back when David killed Goliath, I'm going to give you some history. You ready for this? Is this exciting? Are you with me? 
So back when David killed Goliath, check this out. You may not know this. There were only two swords in all of Israel. And it was the head honchos that had the swords. It was Saul and Jonathan. Nobody else had a sword. They had sticks. They had slings. They had little knives and stuff. But they did not have swords. Why? 1 Samuel 13 tells us. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines, listen to this, to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for a sharpening was a pim, uh, about three-quarters of a shekel, for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. David grew up in a generation that had no blacksmiths, no blacksmith apprentices, no shops that did the blacksmith work, not in all of Israel. Ziklag, check this out, Ziklag is a word that's composed from two ancient Hebrew words that mean to pour and to press. To pour and to press. Combined, they describe the process of smelting iron and forging it into weapons or harvesting tools and pressing it into shape. In other words, Ziklag was a place where the work of the blacksmith, the forgotten art of being a blacksmith, that trade, that skill, it's where it would take place. While he was in exile, he was only there for about 16 months. But while he was there running from Saul, God positioned David in Ziklag so he could become the strongest king in the history of Israel. David would become a supplier of the very thing the enemy sought to limit him from having. Check this out. Archaeology tells us the Philistines were already in the Iron Age when Israel, uh, when they came into Israel's territory. The Hebrews only got to this level of advance during the time of David. It was at Ziklag that David got weapons. It was at Ziklag that David got uh, tools he could use for the harvest to advance his kingdom. I, I don't know if I can get, Lord, help me get this out. Here's what I've come to tell you. You're, you're not ready for your Jerusalem until you go through Ziklag. Your enemy's more advanced in fighting than you are at this time. And you don't know how to to, to get the tools together to get the harvest that God has promised. That's why you're at Ziklag and you feel the heat and you feel the pressure. And God, you hear what I'm saying? God knows what he's doing and he's preparing you to get you what you need to get to the level that God's really called you to. You're almost there. You're almost there, but you got to go through Ziklag. 
Ziklag. You got to go through Ziklag. God's got weapons for you and fights for you, but victories for you, but you got to go through Ziklag. He's got a harvest for you, but you need the tools. You, you need what you, you got to get this stuff to reap the harvest that he wants to give you. You get it at Ziklag. Ziklag was a hard place, tough place, place of exile, a lot of uncertainty. David was there, and he was there, like I said, 16 months, and, and it, it was crazy. He's in this weird, sketchy alliance with this guy named Achish, the king, the king of the Philistines, and Achish is from a place called Gath. Anybody else from Gath? Goliath was from Gath. And so he's in an alliance with this dude, like, hey, I need some safe harbor. I'd like Ziklag over here. And so he's hanging out with them, and the guy's like, I want you to fight with me, the Philistines, against your brothers, Israel, because I know Saul's trying to kill you. And David's trying to play both ends against the middle, and he's like, well, yeah, I'll fight with you. Wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, telling his guys, hey, let's go fight with Achish. And so they kind of tag along, and it's it's amazing the way God does it, because he goes about 120 miles north to the valley of Jezreel. And when he gets up there, there the Philistines are arraying to fight Israel. And when they get up there, the generals in Achish's army, they come alive. And they're like, hey, uh, Achish, we got to talk. David back here with his, with his 600 men, he said, he can't fight with us. He's like, well, we made a deal. He's like, well, they, they said, well, he can't fight with us because in the heat of the battle, he's probably going to start killing us because we know where his true allegiance is, and it might even impress Saul, the guy, the madman that's trying to kill him. So he will kill. So he can't go with us. So they made the 120-mile trek up there, and, and he finally says, uh, uh, Achish says, David, listen, sorry, gotta, you guys got to go back. You can't fight with us. And David's like, oh, shucks, you know, we were looking forward. He didn't really want to fight. Are you with me? He's just, I, I, he didn't want to fight, but he's just, he's in this weird season. Anybody ever been in a weird season? It just feels weird. It's awkward. I, this world is not my home. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in this weird space. That's where he was. Oh, great. Okay, well, we'll go home. And so they, they just marched 120 miles to Jezreel up in the north. Now they got to go 120 miles back. And so they're like going back. They're like, oh, wow, this is crazy. This is so weird. And when they, when they crest the hill coming to Ziklag, it's on fire. There's smoke rising up. They get there, and David, while he was like placating Achish over here, he's, he's going out and doing these raids on Amalek, the Amalekites. The Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites are an ancient, are you with me? Am I too deep in the weeds? The Amalekites are an ancient uh, enemy of Israel. They, when Israel came out of Egypt, the Amalekites set ambushments, and they tried to pick off the ones in the back of the pack. And the Lord said, I'll tell you what, I swear I'll make war with Amalek, uh, Amalek, uh, the Amalekites until you're totally destroyed. And so generation after generation, the Lord would send them out, go get them Amalekites. I know what they did to me. And so David, while he's like, on the hold, is it like he's going and hitting the Amalekites? Well, when he goes away on this faux mission with Achish, the Amalekites come in and they take all his men's families. They burn their stuff. They crest the hill. They've just marched 240 or 50 miles. They're tired. 
they get over the hill and everything's gone. And they're like, oh, what? Are you kidding me? I mean, David had to be thinking, am I ever going to be the king? And then his own men at Ziklag, he assembled a team. I mean, an amazing team. They were, they, were inc- they were mighty warriors. But the truth is, they were in distress. They were in debt. They were dis, uh, discouraged, dis- disconnected. I could go on all these Ds. He, they were mess, a messed up bunch of people, but they were not happy with Saul. So they came when David got a base, they, they showed up. David came to Ziklag with some men, but he acquired 600. He had 600 men at Ziklag and their families, their entourage. I mean, he had all these people. And so he had this amazing team. God can get you a team built in some weird places. Isn't it true? You're in a weird place and you find out who your friends are. You look around, you say, who's still with me? Oh, I can do something with you maybe. We can fight some fights together. And, and so David found out who, who his true friends were. And, and, and so there he is uh, uh, coming back down the hill and everything's gone. And those same men that were fiercely loyal to David, we got stories about their fidelity and their loyalty. They looked at David and they thought about stoning him because everything got burned up. It looked like some bad leadership on David's part. You making these sketchy deals. We go on this meaningless walk about, you know. It does no good. We come back. Our stuff's gone. The Amalekites, what are you doing, David? And they're questioning his leadership. And David's questioning his own leadership. And I thought I was almost there. God, like, what, what in the world? And so he goes to a priest, Abiathar. Now, Abiathar is the last priest from Nod. Because his dad, Ahimelech, was... The priest, and, and, and years before, David came to Nod, this city called Nod, and, and he was hungry with a few of his men, and he said, hey, I, I'm hungry, can I have some bread? And they're like, well, we only got some showbread, which is like the priestly bread that's in the tabernacle, and, and, you know, yeah, yeah, you can have that. So David eats all this bread. Saul finds out, he's jealous of David, and he says uh, to Abiathar, calls him in, he's like, you fed David and his men? That's treasonous. And Ahimelech's like, I didn't know. As a matter of fact, David told me that, that he was on a secret mission for you. And so Saul's like, no, 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 no. No, this is treason. He said to, now this was, I, I'm getting too deep in it, but Doeg, this dude, told him about it. He's like, here's what's going to happen. You're gonna, I'm going to kill all the priests. I'm going to put them to death. And Saul killed 85 priests of the Most High God at Nod, the only guy that escaped, Abiathar. And he had the ephod, which is this way of consulting the Lord. And David at Ziklag gets that last priest and says, man, I need to find out from the Lord, is it the will of God? So he takes that ephod and he says, God, do you want me to pursue? What do you want me to do? The men want to kill me. I'm at my wits end. It seems like I'll never get where you want me to go. Here's the bottom line. He was going to ascend the throne in just a matter of months. 
It was just weeks away before he would go to Hebron and the people would name him the king and he would be over Judah and then later over Israel. He was just weeks away to stepping into his destiny. And here he is at the toughest place in his life. He's had success after success and then misery and then a team assembles and then here he is at his wits end at this Philistine controlled part of the country and making this weird alliance and now the Amalekites have taken everything away from him. And the Lord says to David, David, you pursue because I'm going to go with you and you will without fail recover everything from me. And he's, he tells his men, and now he encouraged himself first. Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself first before you can encourage anybody else. I'm telling you, sometimes you just got to, there ain't no cheering. You know, he didn't have a YouTube channel to go to. You know, how do I get victory now immediately, you know, on YouTube? He, had to, he went to the Lord, God, what do I do? And he encouraged himself in the, in the Lord. He went to those Psalms. I, I, was, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined and heard my cry and brought me out of the pit, out of the miry clay. How do you feel, David? I feel like a loser, but I want to talk about the Lord right now. I'm going to talk about the Lord right now. And he began to encourage himself in the Lord, and the Lord began to give, give him uh, 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 some powerful, powerful words that he began to use in his... The Bible says that he, he encouraged himself, he strengthened himself. The Quaker tradition calls this centering down. I love that. Seeking to enter into a calm, quiet, reflective, receptive state. Corey Tin Boom during Nazi Germany and all that Holocaust that was going on, her family, amazing story in the hiding place. She said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. <laughs> David calmed himself, got in the presence of God, and the Lord gave him that word. And he did go out there, and he did recover all. Here's the bottom line. He was just weeks away from his destiny. He was almost there. But it was toughest right before he got where God called him. Some of you, I've got a word for you. This is just what I felt this week. I've got a word for you. You're almost there. You're right there. And you're like, why is this happening to me? Because you're getting some stuff right here that you wouldn't get anywhere else. You're getting some stuff in your Ziklag that you can't get in any other place. God is beginning to give you the implements, the tools that you need for harvest and for victory. Can you lift your hands to Him right now? Father, I thank you so much for a word, God, that's encouraging. Where is my destiny? Where is this place that you said I was going to go? It's taking forever and 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 really I've I've hit some places that I didn't foresee some it's so difficult God's saying I'm preparing you you're almost there it's time to put the bag of Cheetos down it's time to clean up a little bit get your shoes on son come on girl get you get 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 ready We're, you about to you about to step into the place that I called you to go come on would you stand with me right now Stand with me all across this building. You're almost there. You're almost 
there. Hallelujah. David, in my distress, I called to the Lord. Psalm 18, I cried to my God for help. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34, I will extol the Lord at all times. I will bless him at all times. His praise will always be in my lips. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. I sought the Lord and he answered me. 40th Psalm, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul longs for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Hallelujah. 56th Psalm, be merciful to me, O God. For men hotly pursue me all day. They press their attack. My slanderers pursue me all day long. Many are attacking me in, the pri- in, in their pride. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. 62nd Psalm, my soul finds rest in God alone. Now David, here he is. At Ziklag, looks like all hope is gone. And yet, right around the corner was a throne and a scepter and a promise made that became a promise kept when Jesse and his sons watched in amazement as Samuel poured the oil on the youngest the shepherd boy and said this is the next king and all hell thought that but David had sons Solomon Absalom, others. But he had a greatest son, the son of David. And right before his greatest crowning achievement, you see him in the oil press of Gethsemane, duking it out. God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But if not, not my will but your will be done. Press me so I can get through this into my destiny. And y'all, he was slain to reign. He laid his life down, but he picked it up in three days and is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the son of David. He learned some things from his father, David. After the flesh, that is, he learned some things. He learned obedience through the things he suffered. Let me ask you, where are you? What's God trying to teach you in your ziklag moment? Here you are at a place of pressing and forging fire. God's trying to do something in you. Hallelujah. Come on, would you just lift your hands and receive that word right now all across the building? Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.